It's all part of the plan. DC Talk right here on Get Into Geek, episode 13. My name is Mitch, talking all things DC on the big and little screen. Back a little bit earlier than what we said in episode 12. We were intending to be back after the new Flash trailer debuts on April 25, but we have got through another week of DC TV as I continue my journey through the uh, Arrowverse and beyond as we near the beginning of the DCU as we covered in last week's episode talking Creature Command the new casting around that and what we can look forward to on the way to the DCU officially kicking off with Superman Legacy. So we will be talking about another episode of Batwoman Season 2 and Supergirl Season 6, the final season in that series. That is all to come. But talking about Superman Legacy, we did mention in last week's episode about Superman, the character's 85th anniversary since 1938 his debut in action comics hoping that later that day once it come around to being april 18th over in the states that james gunn the dc studios co-lead would release something around superman legacy the film that he has written and recently announced that he will be directing for release in 2025 now a film of that size just over two years away really we're not too far away from needing to get into uh production of some description so we surely aren't going to be too far away from casting maybe around about that comic con sort of timings even if it is separate to the con itself surely about then is when we need to start hearing some casting announcements as they would near production but james gunn did come through taking to twitter as he does with pretty much anything that gets released or revealed about any of the DC universe, TV, film or otherwise, simply of a picture of the Superman legacy script, just simply saying written by James Gunn and Gunn said, I'm honored to be part of the legacy and what better day than hashtag Superman anniversary day to dive fully into early pre-production on Superman legacy costumes, production design and much more now up and running. So not a lot to go on, but the fact that we were celebrating on April 18 the legacy of the Superman character and how it has only grown bigger and better in the last 85 years, kind of fitting that a film called Superman Legacy would be the reference point by the guy who's co-leading the studios, who's writing and directing the film. Only a picture of the script, but uh, it would be nice if we start getting to see some maybe early designs and the costume, maybe some artwork about some of the locations, whether or not we're going to be seeing some type of references to Krypton and what that looks like in this new universe now if james gunn was in any way shape or form concerned about the online critics or trolls he wouldn't show us anything until it was definitively decided on by himself by peter safran by the other head creatives of dc studios even if just so that he didn't have to put up with the constant criticism that is continuing to come his way and is surely only going to get bigger and louder as this film enters production nears production goes through production all the way up until release it's going to be a hairy two and a half years for him surely he's prepared for it as i said in episode 12 go check out his twitter the proof is all there Something I did fail to mention in episode 12 was a comment that James Gunn made over the last couple of weeks, someone asking him on Twitter about the possibility now that he, a director who is soon to release the third film of an MCU franchise, whether or not we would eventually see some sort of crossover between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Cinematic Universe. 
And to pretty much every fan's delight or otherwise, James Gunn answered it and admitted that with he at the head of DC Studios and the creative decision-making, it's more likely to happen than it ever has before. Not that it is, and said, look, it is so small. We have talked about it, obviously, whether or not he means he and Kevin Feige or he and the DC people. Maybe he knows that Kevin Feige would, of course, entertain the idea in the future. Who knows? But that it could eventually happen. But the idea that he's even willing to answer a question like that, that's kind of fun as well. Mentioning even Guardians of the Galaxy, something that is so ridiculous online, there are DC fans out there that are actually giving him shit for promoting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is less than two weeks away from release. And I'm guessing that he's the head of DC Studios, they're not happy that he's promoting a Marvel film, as if it isn't his film, it isn't his baby, the third film in that franchise that he's written and directed all of those films. He had creative input into the use of those characters in other filmmakers' films within the MCU. But still, somehow, the more toxic fans out there have a problem that he is promoting that film. So, sure, he's not promoting a DC property, but for those doing it, what are you having a problem with? That he's promoting something that he's passionate about? Isn't that exactly what you want him to be doing when the DC properties start coming out? I'm confused. Yes, this is a DC podcast, but we should all be excited about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I wasn't a massive fan of Volume 2. I loved Number 1, and Number 2 was fine. It was much of the same and probably didn't stretch the creative bounds as much as I would like, but I've liked those characters appearing in the Avengers films and their little tidbit in Thor Love and Thunder. But we should all be excited to see Volume 3 because James Gunn was fired from that film well before it went into production, not too long after Volume 2 was even released, and he came back back after working with DC said yes to coming back to Disney because he was the one who really wanted to close out this trilogy about these particular characters. This is very much his baby and he's pouring his heart and soul into this while copying the online criticisms about the people that were unhappy about him coming back in the first place or DC fans that liked what he did and didn't want him to go back to Marvel. Whatever it may be this guy wanted to be there and wanted to do this with this movie and these characters and if he's just as passionate about this as what he's going to be about the ongoing DCU I want to support that because I want to support what he's doing for DCU. We should all want to support what he's doing because if he's passionate about it, that means we're going to get what we want. A planned out, structured DC universe with purpose, right? Anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out in Australia on Thursday, May the 4th. Only a quick episode this one, so we'll jump into my journey through the Arrowverse and beyond of DC TV. Now, on this particular week, Flash took the night off. There was an episode 4 of season 6 of Supergirl and episode 11 of season 2 of Batwoman, Arrive Alive. With Batwoman and the Crows each hot on the trail of the False Face Society, their efforts collide and tension escalates. Alice seeks out Enigma and Sophie and Ryan find some common ground. That's how the synopsis reads. And yeah, there was a a little bit happening in this episode. We hit the ground running after last week ended with with Angelique getting kidnapped from police custody by the False Face Society. This one picks up sometime after that with both Batwoman and Sophie out to rescue her. But going about it in their very unique ways, Batwoman out following a lead that just happens to be Sophie undercover within the False Face Society, having her cover blown thanks to Batwoman. 
And in that failed mission, I actually enjoy that both were just as angry at one another. Batwoman trying to plead for some type of understanding from Sophie about what she was doing and how she was going about it. Sophie saying, hey, I'm actually a police officer. I'm someone by the law doing my job, and you have ruined that, and we may cost Angelique her life because of it. We find out Angelique has been brought back into the False Face Society to take over the role of Ocean, who has disappeared as far as they're concerned. As far as we know, he is being kept hostage on the island under Sapphire, maybe still with a knife in his chest, just waiting to be brought back to life, which of course he does in this episode, comes back looking for Alice. Strangely enough, right at the same time, she's trying to deal with a memory of him. But Angelique is very much there for a purpose. She is very much under the threat of losing her life with Black Mask watching her every move. And Batwoman having to go undercover as seemingly like an informant to the police, unknowns to Sophie that it's actually Batwoman going undercover as her alter ego. There's a lot going on. But it did get to the point where it looked like it was getting to a climactic stage of the Sophie and the Crows and Batwoman versus Black Mask. They were both fighting this guy. How is he going to get out of that situation? By right, those two should be able to, together, take him down, given the circumstances. Now, this is Black Mask. He's obviously pushing on to become a much bigger, longer-serving villain. So I guess that was never really going to happen. And then you have the B-plot of Alice finding Enigma and not wanting to kill her because of her taking the memories of Ocean all those years ago, but instead wanting to forget Kate, which is kind of the only thing lingering around of Kate Kane still in this show. Obviously, you've got Commander Kane. He's got his own drug problem at the moment. He's snapping at his officers. But he's dealing with it as a father of two lost girls, and the show is starting to focus less and less on Kate as an individual. So Alice wanting to forget about her is the show overall kind of trying to forget about Kate and to move on. Ocean showing up all of a sudden at a very convenient time kind of ruins that, but then Enigma leaves and gives them their memories back of one another, and then these two end the episode having a quick session in an alleyway. So Ocean's back in the picture. Alice is getting memories of a nicer time in her life back, but does she still remain the the crazed Alice that was brought on because of those memories being taken away from her in the first place, which they did reiterate in this episode. And as we saw in those flashbacks at the beginning of the season, Alice as an adult, when she wasn't officially Alice yet, was still a pretty functioning person. She obviously had some problems after two decades of captivity, but wasn't this crazed maniac that we were going to come to know in the story five years later in the narrative. So now that she's got those memories back, what kind of character is she going to become if she's two versions of herself suddenly smashed together? This is a fine episode of this show, even though nothing really happened. It just sort of talked a lot about things happening. But it also felt like it wasn't trying to go for the home run with everything that it was doing. And it was just trying to reach the next base, which I think that's what it did. And that's what ended up making it feel like a better episode than maybe the last couple. And then you get the end. (laughs) And... Putting aside the fact that Luke creates all of this great tech that would be so encrypted beyond belief, Sophie simply finds a device in the car, she pulls it out, basically whacks a USB into it, hooks it up to the computer, and she is in with the full MP3 recording of what was spoken about in the car. Why was that even a thing that was being recorded? Doesn't matter, move on. And she hears Luke and Ryan speaking about the fact that Ryan is Batwoman. 
and boom, the show ends. That's an exciting place to leave this episode, but asking a lot of questions about the next episode, what is Sophie going to do with that information? Is she going to just join Team Batwoman and she will be their inside woman within the Crows that can help them from another angle and within the law? Or is she going to hold on to that? I dare say that's what's going to happen because that seems to make the most sense and it's the more interesting version as opposed to her just becoming another ally of Batwoman within the team that gets to go into the Batcave and know everything about everybody. There's no fun in that. We've already got two of those people. We don't need a third. We need someone on the outside who knows the secret that isn't yet prepared to reveal that she does. But it'll be another two podcasts before I'm talking about that because when it was airing, Batwoman took a week off along with The Flash. And next week, we're only talking about Supergirl. Speaking of, let's talk about Supergirl with episode four of season six, Lost Souls. And as it was written, Supergirl finds an opportunity to escape from the Phantom Zone, but it comes with some dangerous strings attached. Meanwhile, Lena joins the Super I hadn't I'd pre-read that. Meanwhile, Lena joins the Super Friends on a mission. I feel like that's something that people can say, but it doesn't necessarily need to be written. Anyway, I said on the last episode I was really hoping that based on the title Lost Souls that this would be the end to the Phantom Zone part of this story. Since the end of episode 1, the title character of Supergirl has been locked in a completely separate place from the rest of the cast. Now, I understand this is a 20-episode season, but at the same time, we are right now one-fifth of the way through the final season of this show, and the main character is nowhere to be seen, and having very little to do. like In the Phantom Zone, think about it, she got there escaped from a phantom attack, found herself in a cave with a guy that ended up being her father. She rescues another woman from the situation, and now they're trying to find their way out. And that has now gone on for three episodes. Yes, in this one, they're as close as they've been. The woman, Miss Mixie, let's call her, I don't know, revealed herself to be a villain. Shocker. Wow, didn't see that one coming. But still, we end the episode, and Kara remains in in the Phantom Zone. Having said that, back on Earth, we seem to be wrapping up the actual Phantom part of the Phantom Zone saga within Season 6. Things were only getting worse at the end of last week and much worse at the beginning of this episode and phantoms were starting to turn up everywhere. They were starting to take over a bunch of people within the city, which is very handy. They weren't expanding their horizons and leaving National City. But the team get the chance to either save Supergirl and bring her back from the Phantom Zone or save everybody that has been attacked by these phantoms. Alex making the late choice to save the people as opposed to her sister because that's what her sister would want, which I love. And I think I, at this stage of the show, probably prefer that coming from Alex because Supergirl... For all the criticisms that get thrown at this show, that instead of Supergirl, she's instead Social Justice Warrior Girl, Melissa Benoist as an actress is forced to just spit out these lines and tell you what you should be thinking, either about the situation or about the character, whereas Alex, as her sister, speaking somewhat on the outside, telling someone else about what Supergirl would do, just seems a little bit more tangible and a little bit more believable when you're hearing it from someone who's been affected by those kinds of decisions and being around that sort of person who thinks that way. 
So I did like that. The idea that uh, Alex joins the Super Friends uh, on a mission, all of a sudden she's in the Hall of Justice, essentially, but then realizing by the end of the episode that that wasn't for her, but she can help the world in a different way. It's like, cool, why bring her in in the first place? I don't don't feel like Eyes of Viewer got much out of her deciding that she didn't have a place within the real inner sanctum of those superheroes. She's already known about everybody's secret identity for weeks worth of this show now, like from the second half of season five at least, right? So she's been fine being on the outer until the beginning of this episode, but not by the end of it. Is that only because she decided to fully separate herself from Luthacor and her brother at the end of last week? I don't really see that as a catalyst to say, oh, well, now I need to join the Super Friends. But no, actually, that's not really my place. I'll just do things on my own. I've always seen her as someone on the outside anyway. So where she will be in episode five of this season and how she was in episode three, I don't think episode four really changes that for me. And here I was thinking we weren't going to get anything massive and monumental like we did at the end of Batwoman, where her secret identity has been revealed to another key character. And then in this, you get Dreamer saying, hey, I've been having some visions of Kara and Alex back at school. And you know what? Now I've realized we need to go back in time to save Kara. They need some of her DNA. The only type of DNA that they can retrieve is when she fully maxes out her powers. She's only done it twice. They're not going to go back to when it happened against Red Tornado in Season 1, but instead have to go back to high school. Why that one instead of the second one? I don't know at this stage. And also, if you can travel back in time, why not just travel to the point where Supergirl got taken in the first place and stop that from happening then? Or immediately retrieve her with the technology that was available at the time that you now know how to use okay take some of the back to future questions out of it we're going back in time we're going back to high school hell the flash a couple of weeks ago had the one with the 90s so maybe we're going to get something similar in supergirl season six episode five which is called prom night so this thing is happening next episode and as far as the dc tv journey through arrowverse that i'm currently on that's the only episode we're going to be talking about on episode 14 of it's all part of the plan prom night episode five of season six of supergirl the other shows were all still on a week off so we will be back again on the next podcast talking about a Supergirl episode and anything else that happens in the news world of DCU before then. We might even try to squeeze in an episode before the Flash trailer releases on Tuesday, the 25th of April. Those Australian listeners, we're not going to get to see that until probably, what, 11 p.m. on Tuesday night. That or you're waking up on Wednesday morning. The new trailer for The Flash that we've seen snippets of that look really, really fun is coming out. We'll see that Tuesday. We'll be speaking about it on a future episode if it's all part of the plan could be the next one could be one in two episodes time we'll see how quick we can punch out another episode until then enjoy your dc if you're a star trek fan check out our most recent episode on get into geek making it so our new star trek series of podcasts maddie and craig discussing picard the season the series finale episode 10 of season three premiered on friday australia time it is out now they've discussed the show it's another great episode of making it so so go check it out if you're a star trek fan if you're a dc fan we'll see you back on the next episode of it's all part of the plan get into geek